1: Yes, it is. And welcome back. Wednesday, September 29th, 2021, 602 if you'd like to weigh in. Uh, Folks, we have a problem. We, the people, have a problem. We as a country have a problem. And it's a really big one. It's a really big one. It goes from the issue of no longer appreciating, honoring, or even recognizing truth to a lack of trust in not just our institutions but our very government that represents us. Bill, uh, do me a flavor a favor here and play. Joe Biden when he announced our uh, ultimate exit from Afghanistan to address now. last
0: night in Kabul the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan the longest war in American history we completed one of the biggest airlifts in history with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety that number is more than double what most experts thought were possible No nation, no nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. The only United States had the capacity and the will and the ability to do it, and we did it today. The extraordinary
1: success of this mission. That's enough. Extraordinary success of this mission. I want you to remember those words. And I want you to remember the words he opened with, ending 20 years of war. Today we ended 20 years of war. Is that what uh Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the head of CENTCOM, commander of CENTCOM, said today in House testimony? No. They said the exact opposite. Yesterday, we ran the audio of Millie, uh General Milley, um, contradicting the notion that Joe Biden never received advice. That we should leave a small number of troops in Afghanistan. Yesterday, Joint Chiefs of Staff Milley, Chairman Milley, was very clear on that point. When Biden told George Stephanopoulos that no one told him we should leave more troops there, to his best of his recollection, General Milley said that's just not true. That was yesterday. By the way, so did this. Gen- so did the commander of CENTCOM. By the way. So did the Secretary of Defense. Today, General Milley said the following to the House of Representatives. Go ahead, Bill.
2: We provided a broad range of options in our assessment of their potential outcomes.
1: To the president.
2: We couched that in cost, benefit, risk to force, risk to mission. All of that was evaluated against the national security objectives of the United States. On 14 April, the president of the United States, President Biden announced his decision, and the U.S. military received a change of mission to retrograde all U.S. military forces, maintain a small contingency force of six to 700 to protect the embassy in Kabul until the Department of State could coordinate contractor security support. Stop. And
1: also— I want to continue in a moment, so just hold it right there. Before we lose what he's saying here, keep in mind, he said in April when Joe Biden was president— The mission changed. Enough of this nonsense that this was Trump's plan, okay? General Milley is pointing out in April the plans changed. Joe Biden was president in April. Continue on with Milley.
2: 700 to protect the embassy in Kabul until the Department of State could coordinate contractor security support and also to assist Turkey to maintain the Hamid Karzai International Airport and to transition the U.S. mission to over-the-horizon counterterrorism support. And security Force assistance it is clear it is obvious to all of us that the war in Afghanistan did not end on the terms that we wanted the
1: war didn't end on our Taliban. terms that 's another way of saying we lost go on
2: Afghanistan did not end on the terms that we wanted with the Taliban now in power in Kabul, although the neo was unprecedented and is the largest air evacuation in history it was a tactical operational and logistical success evacuating. 124,000 people. The war was a strategic failure.
1: The war was a strategic failure and did not end on our terms. It ended on someone's terms. That means the enemy's terms. The war is not over. Here we have, in in sharp relief, the same issue being peddled to the American people in two diametrically opposed ways. The president says we ended 20 years of war in an extraordinary, successful mission. His chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says we did not end this war. We did not end this war on our terms and that, say what you will, of the extraordinary logistics, it was a strategic failure. I'm proud of any logistical help, any U.S. soldier, for that matter, a U.S. citizen, can provide, but the military doesn't exist solely for the purpose of evacuating people. It aids and it aids and helps in those efforts everywhere. It can aid and help those efforts. God knows, we've seen it with the National Guard in disaster areas here, and we've seen it with our military and, of course, the National Guard in disaster areas abroad. That we can shuttle out a lot of people was not the point of Afghanistan or the withdrawal. That was not the point. That was not the point. So we have a problem here in that the rest of society, I assume, that isn't paying a lot of attention to this, or that has been brainwashed by the left in America... And the media in America. On a normal day, in a normal presidency, in a normal year with a normal people, someone would lose a job. Someone would lose a job. Don't separate this from the point that Joe Biden says he never heard the advice General Milley, General McKinney, uh, 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 now Secretary Austin. Gave him. Never mind that he says he never got the information they say they gave him. Never mind that for the moment. That was a pretty big revelation yesterday. It's an even bigger revelation to me today to hear his general say the war isn't over. It wasn't ended on our terms. And that it was a failure. It's not what you got from the president. What are we to believe? Who should be fired? I understand the temptation to fire General Milley for a lot of reasons. A lot. I have to tell you, right here, I think he's telling the truth. Wade between Joe Biden and General Milley, I have to tell you, General Milley, I think, is telling the truth. Of the two of them, one said what they said under pains and penalties of contempt. Lying to Congress, at least. Joe Biden does not take that oath before he speaks. Someone should be fired. The person who, sh- if this were a normal year in a normal presidency, someone would be. Can you imagine the heyday? Just bear with me for a moment. Can you imagine the heyday if the three generals testified before Congress two days in a row that the president was lying if the president was Donald Trump? Can you imagine what would be going on right now? You might even have Nancy Pelosi call it a constitutional crisis. She likes that phrase. Has she been using that phrase the last 48 hours? She's not. She's not. The problem here, in short is that people are just going to, by and large, go on with no accountability and really not that much concern. Remember the conversation I recited with my friend Jim, who said, boy, if it turns out Fauci's lying about funding gain-of-function, that could be the story of the year. Well, it turned out, and it's now, as I utter it, probably something. He said, oh, yeah, when was that? Like two months ago? What happens when truth is no longer a value? What happens to a country that begins its very history with the word truth, only to end up at a place where truth is no more meaningful than the style of doorknob you put on your back door or your front door or anywhere, when it just simply becomes clay in the fingers, because no one cares anymore about it. I have a lot to say about this when we come back, a lot. And I'm going to bring it to something that took place with the vice president and a student at George Mason University. You wondered where she was because she's not at the border and not dealing with Afghanistan. She's at George Mason University. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. What happens when a society no longer values truth? You learn the truth about something Anthony Fauci did. You learn the truth about something the Biden administration said with regard to anything. But let's stay with Afghanistan for the moment. We got the guys that killed our troops. Uh, the Taliban wouldn't be taking over. Uh, go down the line. No generals advised me that we should leave uh, <clears throat> a certain number of troops in Afghanistan, in the field. We followed the Trump plan. The war is over. It was an extraordinary success. What was that, about eight lies I just told you that came to us since August 30th? One of, one of the parties who is selling this stuff is lying to you. And I believe most of those lines were lines perpet, uh, promulgated by jo- the president of the United States. A civil and normal and regular society would care about these things. Being lied to about the war? This is why Lyndon Johnson could not run for reelection. This is why Lyndon Johnson could not run for reelection. A society that cared drummed Richard Nixon to resignation. A society that cared about truth. And the value of what you say to the American people mattering used to take these things seriously, and it no longer does. How did this happen? How did this happen? What is the cost of lies? Is the opening of Chernobyl from the scientist, the one who was telling the truth about the nuclear disaster there. What is the cost of lies? It's not that we'll mistake them for the truth. The real danger is that if we hear enough lies, then we no longer recognize the truth at all. What can we do then? What else is left but to abandon even the hope of truth and content ourselves instead with stories? And in these stories, it doesn't matter who the heroes are. In these stories, it doesn't matter who the heroes are. Bill, remind me to say a word on heroes in a few minutes. This is bothering me two it's in the context of covid we'll come up we'll come to that in just a moment let's stick with foreign policy and why we don't care about truth kamala harris goes to george mason university now that's in virginia it's a good school the language is a little hard to hear and if you need help with it i will give it to you from my voice but i want you to hear this this is a student talking to the vice president Kamala Harris at Georgia. I
3: see that over the summer, there have been like protests and demonstrations in astronomical numbers standing with Palestine, but then just a few days ago, there were funds allocated to continue backing Israel, which hurts my heart because it's an ethnic genocide and the displacement of people, the same that happened in America, and I'm sure you're aware of this. And I bring this up also because of the issue of how Americans are struggling because of lack of health care, public health care, lack of affordable housing, and all this money ends up going to um, and funding Israel and backing Saudi Arabia and whatnot. And I think that um, the people have spoken very often in what they do need, and I feel like there's a lack of listening, and I just feel like I need to bring this up because it affects my life and people I really care about's lives.
1: So okay. she declares, hold on a sec, she says, Israel is engaging in ethnic genocide. Okay, and Kamala Harris, who's nodding while she's speaking, responds thusly.
3: I'm glad you did. And again, this is about the fact that your voice, your perspective, your experience, your truth, should not be
1: suppressed. She goes on to say it must be heard, right? But you got the important part. Thank you, Bill. You got the important part. Your truth. Your truth. Your truth should not be suppressed. Do you know what the problem is with your truth and my truth, as opposed to the truth, is it's often wrong. It's often wrong. Truth becomes nothing but a fiction or an invention for the person claiming that it is theirs. My truth is nothing more than a conversation stopper from someone else having another point of view. It is the will to power. It says what you believe is what is existent and important, not what is actual. It's an interesting linguistic phrase as well, my truth, because when you say my truth, you are immediately qualifying truth You are delegitimizing, delegitimizing what everyone else knows, which means there must be some other truth. Maybe it's someone else's, or maybe it's the truth. In other words, my truth is a confession that what you are about to hear is not validated and may not be, in fact, true. And Kamala Harris tells this college student Thank you for giving us your perspective, your experience, your truth. Who is this person who we are thanking for giving us their perspective on wrongness? Ethnic genocide? The president thinks it's okay for someone to call it true that Israel, our ally, is engaging in ethnic genocide. What the heck is this student talking about? What rot has she been listening to and learned? And how especially noxious it is when the term itself was invented to describe what was done to Jews. Genocide? I'll tell you what genocide is, and this is what Kamala Harris should have said if she had two cents worth of an education. Genocide? At the end of 1945... One-third of the Jewish population that existed before the war didn't. One-third. That's genocide. That's why the term was invented. Let's talk about Israel's genocide. Because if they're doing it, they're really bad at it. Really bad at it. First of all, Israel's parliament has a higher percentage of Arabs in it. Palestinian Arabs in it then the American Congress has percentage of African Americans in it. Okay? First of all. Second of all, in 1948, when Israel was established, there were 950,000 Arabs or Palestinians in Israel proper. 950,000. Today there are 2 million. Today there are 2 million. In 1967, the entire country of Jordan, which had the West Bank, the entire country of Jordan, was 1.3 million Arabs. Today, the West Bank alone is over 2 million Arabs. By no definition is this genocide unless your truth, which Kamala Harris seems to praise, is the same as Hitler's. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. There's a little Carol King in the voice of Davy Jones. Let me give you the voice of another person who has J and D in their initials, and that's John Dombrowski. He is our culture and economy update every day at 334. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. Grandcanyonplanning.com is his website and his show, The Word on Wealth, every Saturday morning right here at 7 a.m. Happy Wednesday, John. There. How are you?
4: Fantastic, thank you.
1: You bet. A little more green today on the uh, stock market watch, which we said a yesterday.
4: A Little mixed today. We had a good yeah. opening, but uh, some of the uh, technology stocks had faded and lost uh, the earlier gains that they were making. Uh, but the Dow did have a little bit of a comeback, up ninety points, I believe, today. So um, still trying to manage through, you know, some of the issues regarding. The debt crisis that we're in right now, the possibility of the new legislation to be passed. So there's still some things we have to work through. It's going to be still volatile at least for the next, you know, few weeks until we get a better understanding as to what's happening. One but of Fed-
1: the uh, one of the things that came out of the news today was it looks like, apparently, uh, and this comes from the Fed, we are uh, going to experience fairly stagnant growth for a little bit longer than we expected according to their forecasts. And I have to tell you, John, my own sense of things here is uh, unless there's some kind of magic bullet in the infrastructure bill that I haven't seen, uh, I don't know how we're going to jack growth up by just taxing more. Honestly, I don't.
3: You
4: haven't read the infrastructure bill yet? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for us to pass it. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I I totally agree. And when we talk about these revenue-neutral bills i mean uh when was the last time we had anything we
1: know that's another lie don't we have been going off we just know everyone knows that's not true it cannot possibly be true
4: exactly so um we know that there's going to this is going to add so much more to the to the debt and again we talk about the generational debt that we're creating um you know my wife and i don't have any children so my children aren't going to share the burden of this but obviously there are many people out there who have children who um, maybe are considering having creating a family and every every child in this country everyone who's born into this country is born with this this debt from day one and it's going to have to be handled at some point but for the moment right now uh, you know Fed Chair Powell yes he did say that he believes inflation is going to be here for a little longer than we expected he doesn't expect that there's going to be a major surge above much where we are today but uh, it's going to be here for a longer period of time and may go into 2022 to 2023 even, before we start to see some of these bottlenecks, some of the supply and demand issues begin to settle in and ultimately get back to some type of
1: normal. Right. Meanwhile, uh, we may see a possible bottlenecking of this because the House Democrats and the Senate Democrats can't see eye to eye on what should happen first. It's an odd thing, but I guess the progressives have put him in this position, um, with some of them saying we do the 3.5, then the other 1.5. Some are saying we can do the 1.5. We don't have the votes for 3.5. But right. the pressure on these two Democrats is an amazing thing, Manchin and cinema sure. and not the way we should be running our economy, really. It shouldn't come down to two people.
4: No, and again, you know, there's been discussions about this, and you're more in the politics of things than I am, but this was not, this election was not a big mandate. It was, it was won by very few votes. And uh, so for the, you know, one side to be acting as if, you know, the whole country is, is, uh, is with them is, is certainly not true. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's going to definitely be some pushback on this, and that's what we're seeing, and it's even coming from their own party.
1: One of the interesting things I noted today John is polling is showing that inflation is an increasing concern and in some polls the number 1 concern of a lot of American citizens. It's an interesting thing. We haven't seen inflation top the polls of concern top the polling in the concerns of the American people in a long time either. This this could be a, this 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 could be unless this administration gets its hands around it by spending less, I guess, they're going to have a lot of problems going forward on economic indicators.
4: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about inflation for many years, how extremely low it's been. And we've been waiting for some type of, even the Fed has been waiting. You know, they wanted to get that inflation around 2%. Well, it shot well above 2%, as we know. And now the Fed's trying to see how they're going to begin trying to lower the inflation number uh, to get it in line with what their goal is, that 2% range. So it's a challenge. We've talked about it for many, many months right now, Seth, up to this point. And here we are at, a, at a, another point to where now the Fed is going to have to do some maybe other measures than what they've done in the past to try to counterbalance the reactive uh, response they've had earlier.
1: Thank you, John.
4: You bet. Securities and Advisory Services officer the Client 1 Securities LLC, a member of the and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client 1 Securities LLC are not affiliated. Check out our website, grandcanyonplanning.com. Thanks, Thank Seth.
1: Thank you, brother. 602 zero two 960 We'll be right back. As a country, we start with the notion there there is such a thing as truth, self-evident truths. Uh, we fight a war over the meaning of that. was the truth a lie or was the truth truth? Truth won out in that war, or as that war was coming to be, as the war clouds were rising. Abraham Lincoln in his Cooper Union address, put it this way, let us have faith that right makes might, and that faith that right makes might will give us our duty as we understand it. The notion that right makes might is the essence of our revolution in America. That right Makes might. That's why we started by talking about truth in the Declaration of Independence. It is the mark of a tyranny or an authoritarian government where the opposite is true, where might makes right, where nothing is more important than the triumph of the will, or what Nietzsche called the will to power, where The truth is nothing more, as Nietzsche said, than an invention. That's why I think our society, having adopted so much of that nihilistic thinking, that's why I think our society is so blasé about the things they are learning by the day, the things they are being told by the day. Whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's the border, or whether it's COVID, do you know We are on track to have over 1 million illegal immigrants coming to this country by the end of the year. Over a million. Illegal. Do you know how many legal immigrants we grant entry to this country every year? About a million. About a million. We're doubling our immigration with the second half of it constituting those who broke the law to get here. Let me talk about COVID and truth and heroes, because as you know, almost everything I talk about here really comes back to and down to what we teach our children. Plato knew this, two most important questions in a society, who teaches the children and what are they being taught, Plato instructed. Children naturally desire heroes, naturally. It's a good instinct of theirs. It's a good instinct. And parents, good ones, point heroes out to their children, don't they? Showing individuals who have the qualities of excellence that are worthy of imitation. Now we're with Plato's student Aristotle, who taught the best way to teach character was to put a child in the presence of someone with it. It's a funny thing what this society makes a hero of these days, isn't it? It's a funny thing. During COVID, they were what became known as a lot of frontline responders, particularly hospital workers. Do you remember how many interviews were done with hospital workers, particularly nurses, particularly nurses and technicians, some physicians, but mostly hospital workers and techs? Do you remember how many interviews? I do. These were our new heroes. In fact, TV ads were put up thanking them as our heroes. We can define heroes a lot of ways, but if those charged with taking care of our public health and our individual health are heroes, and I'm fine for the sake of argument to give them that honor. They are heroes how many interviews have you now seen of the nurses and techs who have been fired by their hospitals and employers because they won't take a vaccine it's not hard to find them it's not hard to find them 68 full-time employees and 87 part-time employees at saint luke's university health network in pennsylvania have been fired or quit because they refused to take a man a vaccine 60 time full-time employees and 87 part-time ones just at st luke's university in pennsylvania christian care fired 150 employees in delaware 250 at new york presbyterian hyde park new york firings winston-salem 175 firings Sixty-six employees at the hospital in Brewer Base at Northern Light Health. Portland, Maine. Fifty-eight resigned from their hospital. These people aren't hard to find. Seventy-two at a hospital in Winchester, Virginia. All of this comes from Becker's Hospital Review. Are they no longer heroes all of a sudden? They wanted to have their jobs. They wanted to stay in their jobs. There's something about the vaccine they don't want. And it has to do with either their strongly held beliefs based on conscience or something they know based on what they've seen or something they know based on their own reading of the science. It's that second one that I would think reporters would find interesting. What? based on what you've seen, keeps you from getting vaccinated. You're a nurse after all. You were a hero a year ago. Why would you not take the vaccine? Is any reporter asking that? They're not. They're not. Because it's not about heroes of hospital workers. It's about a particular policy that was first used to drum Donald Trump out of office and is now being used to control the American people as best as possible. Any number of those fired nurses and techs, I'm sure, saw plenty of media a year ago. Is it possible that they have seen things that led them to quit? that the rest of the American population isn't being told? Is that possible? Well, if you watch the Project Veritas video that took place at the medical center here on Indian School, you'd get a kind of good concept of how that happens. You'd get a pretty good concept of that. Could it be that a month ago the media was telling us, as the government was, that 99% of hospitalizations were of the unvaccinated? Well, what do you say about a fact where it's now closer to less than 80%? Maybe that's it. The narrative falls apart when the truth is told. That's why the truth is what frightens the left, and that's why they try to censor us. on an error I made, and we are, since about the truth confessing that I did make one in a previous uh, segment here today, I said Davy Jones was lead singer on Pleasant Valley, Valley Sunday. He wasn't. It was Mickey Dolans, uh, so I'll, I'll credit for that, and thank you for that. Uh, last, last thing I <clears> to <throat> I want to say about um, heroes and truth is that both could be perverted. Both can be perverted. For example, in the novel 1984, George Orwell calls them child heroes, those who turn their parents into the state for believing the wrong thing. The authoritarianism in 1984 brings you a corrupt version of heroism. So much so that Winston, after his torture, says in 1984, of pain, you could wish only one thing, that it should stop. Nothing in the world was so bad as physical pain. In the face of pain, there are no heroes, no heroes, he thought over and over as he writhed on the floor, clutching uselessly at his disabled left arm. When you corrupt what it means to be a hero in a society you corrupt heroism and end up without it and you end up with tyranny. Where do I want, where am I going? just a few seconds, Dana, I hope you're doing well. Welcome back. Are you doing well?
3: I'm, I'm hanging in there, you know, every day is a little bit better. Um, you know, tired, but at least got my head back on straight for the most part. I mean, as straight as it could be, you know, I am who I am. (laughs) Um, you know, and I got to say that this obsession with vaccinations, especially for those that have truly been frontline workers for the last almost two years coming up now. And we're working almost completely unprotected. No one is talking about this gigantic elephant in the room, and that is natural immunity. And having been recently hospitalized, I can tell you they are obsessed with vaccines. The minute you come into the ER, are you vaccinated? Have you had a COVID test in the last two weeks? Not, you know, what are your symptoms? What can we help you with? It's are you vaccinated and have you had a COVID test? Mind you, there are lots and lots of bugs out there that are trying to kill us every day that are way deadlier than COVID. But, you know, forget about those because they're obsessed. And i got to tell you, the nurses in the emergency department were so disappointed that my COVID test came back negative. Yeah. Um, and they were none too excited to be able to test me for flu, too. Yeah. And did I have my flu vaccine this year? And did I want a flu vaccine before I even left the hospital, before my brain had even healed, before I was even, you know, totally well? Did I want a flu shot did I And, you know, i got to say, I, I, I'm i a little fearful had I not lied and said that I was vaccinated for COVID, that I wouldn't have been jabbed.
1: I understand my the fear. I understand it. Shot. I do. I it's understand. really
3: sick. It's
1: really sick. Well, we can pervert. Heroism, I suppose we can pervert the notion of health and sickness, too, can't we, Dana? Dana, oh, i got to run. I think- Shlema. Thank you, Dana. We'll be right back